Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Information so that you can go out 
and uh, make your movies, make your TV, make your web series, make your video games, whatever you might be doing, quicker, easier, uh, and more efficiently, and without having to reinvent the wheel. And so, uh, you know, I'm so blessed and so lucky to have you guys who uh, listen in and who support us in that way and the guests that I have um, all the time. Without any further ado, though, I am going to uh, tell you a little bit about David. David is the director of, uh, the writer and the producer of feature films Night Before the Wedding and Goodbye Promise. Both of those uh, he'll tell you a little bit about uh, in just a bit. Karen Warden is the actor, is an actress and producer. Her film credits include Goodbye Promise, Honey, I'm Home, Roads Therapy, Mind Over Matter, Night Before the Wedding. And she also wrote and starred in a one-woman uh, play showcased at the Space Theater entitled The Other Woman. All right, so uh, as I said, without further ado, let's bring them on, if I can. Both here, Rex, and, and, and it's, we're so humbled to be joining your program because, you know, other other than our program, of course, you know, we, we really admire what you do, and, and we're just so grateful to be here with you this morning. Well, I appreciate that, and right back at you, because, uh, you know, you guys are uh, a, a solid and an integral voice uh, in the in the movie business and on the airwaves, bringing excellent guests and excellent uh, information to listeners, and so uh, it's a delight and a pleasure to have you on my show as well. And hi there, Karen. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Good morning to you, Rex, and I, I want to second that. Thank you very much for having us on Movie Beat. And also, thank you for for making uh, what you do look so easy. I mean, you you do this show, you know, several times a week, and you have a lot going on. And uh, as we can attest to, it's not easy. Um, you know, life gets in the way, and and there's a lot of stuff that that needs to be done, and loose ends that need to be tied up, and uh, you make it look easy. So kudos to you. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks. Well, you know, it's that's uh, Hollywood. It's all illusion, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, uh, no, it is, it is, it is really uh, a pleasure, and uh, we've got friends in the uh, chat room. Some of the people there are uh, Jake Stetler and, and Kara Ford, Kim Garland, Lil Hermy, Movie Angel is. I think you're, she's. In, I think she's in Spain already. Uh, Gaffer Girls, FX Guys, and others are there, and more people come in, and then there are guests whose names we do not know, you know, who they are, because when they, they're not registered, they just appear as guests, but we're glad to have you all in the chat room, and uh, and uh, thanks so much for being here. Uh, let me ask you this. Okay, so you do Film Courage, which is, which is another program, and uh, a fine program, and and I had the opportunity when I was in L.A. last time to drop in and, and be on your show as well for a little bit, and I, and I really appreciated that. Um, but let me ask you your, your opinions, because you're, you're on, on, on radio uh, every Sunday, noon Pacific time, correct? That's right. That's correct, Rex. All right. So let me ask you, what makes for great radio? Let's, let's start off talking a little bit about the show. And that's the, the Film Courage show on L.A. Talk Radio. Right. Well, let's see. What makes for great radio? I, I think a guest that's honest and that's willing to kind of tell things like it is. I think we've done interviews where um, a guest has been brutally honest about their own lives, about their own feelings, about their own situations. And I think people, as one guest told me, people respect honesty. And when they hear that, they can relate to pieces of their own lives from from hearing those segments of the guests talk about their lives. I think what makes for not so compelling radio is when someone 
tries to be a little too Hollywood and everything's great and sugarcoat everything. And I think people can see through that and they don't relate to it. They're not sort of simpatico with that. And, and I think people want to hear, even if they're not filmmakers, they want to hear a compelling story because, again, they can somehow translate some part of their own life into that guest story. You know, some type of a struggle or, or something that happened in that guest childhood that sort of shaped them and made them who they are. You know, so I, I think that's what makes for compelling radio is, is honesty. Oh, well, I agree. Go, uh, David? I think I think Karen nailed it there. You know, the only thing I would really add is, you know, just emphasize, you know, personal stories. You know, that, that's something that, that Karen and I, that we sort of discuss, you know, before we go on any program is just try to share any personal stories of what makes us unique or different from, from, from other folks. So that's what we're going to try to do today on your program, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me, let me ask, <laughs> let me ask you this then. And, um, and, and that is, you know, you know, keeping a program going, a radio show, um, you know, where you, where you, you're one, you're in the studio and, and I'm sure people can, uh, they kind of understand it whether they actually appreciate it or not. You know, you you spend a lot of time getting ready for each show. You uh, have to secure your guests. You have to book them. It's not as though these things just suddenly and spontaneously uh, manifest. There's there's work before and after, just like in any business or just like making a movie. You know, there's the kind of the pre-production aspect, the production aspect, and then there's the post aspect, plus all of the marketing that goes along with, with having a show. So it's not easy, but it is fun. So what keeps you going? How do you, how do you manage? Along with the fact that you both have careers as actresses and producer and director and you've got other things. So how do, how do you manage? Right. Oh, that's a great question. Right. Um, what keeps us going? I, I think... I think I'm inspired by other people's stories. I mean, what David said, that the stories make compelling radio, and I think hearing about other people's uh, struggles and other people's triumphs, I think that keeps me going because it's easy to kind of get lost and say, well, you know, I can't do this. Uh, Maybe I'm not as talented. Maybe I'm not as beautiful. And, um, you know, there's no way I'll make it. But then you hear someone else's story that, that, you know, encountered – more hardships than you did and they kept going and they succeeded and then you realize there's really no excuse why you can't do it and I think that inspires me to keep going um, you know the the interviews and the press and all that it's nice but after a while you know you, you kind of say the same story over and over again you almost get tired of hearing yourself a little bit <laughs> and I, I think what keeps me going with the show and maybe it's the same for David is, is hearing these guest stories. You know, like we had a gentleman on last week. His name was Alex Munoz, and he uh, is a filmmaker who decided to take filmmaking into the youth correctional facilities and help these young people kind of turn their lives around by showing them about acting and filmmaking and letting them kind of be observers behind the camera. And he was able to do this because he was inspired by when he was in high school um, he watched two of his friends die from gang violence. Oh, and so he, he was able to take that experience, and instead of hardening himself to the world and saying, well, you know, screw everybody, uh, I hope I can say that on your show, Rex, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that he, <laughs> I don't know how PG-13 the show is. But, it's, it's actually um, it's a G-rated show, but, uh, but you can get away with what you just said. <laughs> okay, great, all right. Um, but uh, he was able to take that experience 
and and do something with it, and then and go to USC and and get um, an an MFA in cinema, and and then take this program, and now he's branched out to several other um, correctional facilities around the country. So my point with all this is, is that um, you know when you hear about other people's journeys and their and their different roads. And some of them have not been so pretty, but they still get up on the horse every morning and they still keep going. I think that's what inspires me to keep doing this show. Very cool. You know, and, and for me, Rex, you know, I would add, and I'm, I'm sure Karen w- would say this as well, but re- really you just heard my, my energy and my fuel. You know, you know, Karen is magnificent, um, the most beautiful woman in the world. And for me, she, she's what keeps me going, you know. So, you know, just... Her and I are together on this journey. I'm doing this together. You know that that's where I draw all my energy from. Um, wow. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. Well. I, I paid there. him to say that. Yeah. <laughs> you paid him to say that, huh? Right. I I, I don't think so. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, I think that was a dishonest statement. <laughs> uh, no, beautifully, beautifully said by both Thanks. of you, and um, and it's fascinating. You know, somebody once said to me, you know, what, you know. Well, for example, I mean, you're on my show. I was on your show. You know, I, you and I, I know, because we've talked about this, the world is this huge place, and there's room enough in it for everybody. And what I like is the fact that you and I have had some of the same guests on, and we've had different guests. But when we've had the same guests, obviously, the interviews are not the same interviews. There are different things focused on. There are different stories that are related. There are different issues or tips or suggestions that come up. And 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 so it really uh, benefits people, the listeners, to, to go to your show and listen, to come to my show and listen, to go to Film Snobbery, to go to these other places that are out there to, to listen, even if it's the same guest, because for the most part, it's not going to be the same show, there, you know, because you have different questions and different thoughts and, and different things. Um, and I always think that if somebody's going to investigate success and investigate how other people do it and listen to the stories that, that you speak so highly of... And, and, and you get this kind of candid information, then you should listen to it from multiple sources. It's like reading different books on the same topic because you get different viewpoints and different. And I'm sorry, I'm pontificating here, but but uh, but there is there's room for everyone. And I'm so glad that you do what you do and that you continue to do what you do. And um, and I and I thought it was beautiful what you both just said about about what inspires you and what keeps you going. Uh, I think that's great. Um, what about the? I'm going to come back to the radio show, but what about the interactives that you do? You have you host these uh, events on Monday nights as well. Can you tell the listeners about those? Yeah, it's um, a screening, a film screening, like a feature film by um, an independent artist, and we also do a couple short films ahead of time. So we do it every, uh, or excuse me, the last Monday of every month. We've actually taken on a few more in these past couple months. But typically, it's the last Monday of every month. And uh, we meet in the lobby of the Downtown Independent, and it's a great kind of networking thing. You know, people can get a beer or some popcorn. We go into the theater. Um, we play a couple games. We do a couple, like, icebreakers, which is it's David's idea. He's really great in getting the crowd warmed up. Um, and, and, you know, we, we inject some humor into it. And uh, we show a couple films uh, that are shorts. And then we have the short filmmakers come up and do a Q&A, you know, talk about what inspired them to do the film, you know, their budget, whatever. And then uh, we show the feature. And then we have more of an in-depth 
discussion with the feature-length uh, filmmaker. And then time permitting, we have what we like to call our filmmaker discussion group, and it's kind of like group therapy for filmmakers. We kind of sit in this dark room. It's almost like a 12-step group of some sort. We introduce ourselves. Hi, my name is Karen. You know, I'm an artist or whatever. And uh, we talk about, you know, what we're going through. And some of it's positive and some of it's, you know, not so positive. We kind of just throw it out there and uh, amongst the group. And people can then kind of give feedback. And, um, you know, we haven't had time to do that in the last few of our interactives because we've been quite, uh, you know, busy with the crowd. But um, it's a great way for people to kind of come out and meet one another, not to see great films, but also, you know, being in L.A., it's tough to really let your guard down and meet people. Everyone's in their cars. Everyone's got somewhere to go. We've all got an agenda being here. And uh, it's nice to kind of, you know, meet other people. We try and make it a safe environment. You know, it's not so much about being, you know, oh, here's my pitch and I'm doing this. And it's just more about kind of trying to be real with one another and talk about what's going on, and also to see great work. Very cool. That is really, really cool. Uh, and I like the fact that you that you engage the people at that level, and it's not you're not just watching a movie, but you're actually um, able to uh, meet and express and, and do different things together. You know that that aspect of community, that aspect of support. You know we're we're all in it together. Uh, that's really, 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 really cool. Uh, I hope someday that I'll be back in L.A. on a Monday that you're doing it so that I can come <laughs> and, and hang out. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Um, and, uh, and so uh, that, that is great. So you just had one, and the next one would be toward the end of October. We, we've actually, this is a stretch where we've actually taken on four interactives in, in the last, you know, in September and October. So we're in a stretch right now where we're doing them every two weeks. Oh, okay. So our upcoming one is actually this Monday, where we're spree- we're screening the, the wrestling documentary, high school wrestling documentary, Takedowns and Falls, um, which was done by Todd Hickey, who's someone he's very active on Twitter and Facebook, and and um, the, the film looks like it's, it's going to be really inspiring and powerful, and, and we're we're really excited to have an opportunity to get it in front of an audience. It's going to be the the West Coast premiere of the film. Um, he's actually taken it um, grassroots. Um, from the East Coast, and I, I believe he's done some screenings throughout the Midwest, and this is going to be his, mid, his, his West Coast premiere. Wow, very cool. Um, very cool. So let me ask this. Let's go back to the radio for a second, and let's ask about uh, how you land your guests. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, several different ways. Um, for instance, the gentleman that we had on last week, Alex Munoz, who's associated with films, by Youth Inside. We actually met him at another screening series put on by Saskia Wilson-Brown called The Cinema Speakeasy. And uh, we saw um, Mr. Munoz come out and show some of his shorts and he had some of the participants from his uh, program with the, uh, you know, the films by Youth Inside. And we just loved the way he, he spoke. You know, he spoke from the heart and he was just very genuine. So we decided to ask him to come on, and that was like six, seven months in the making, um, you know, between emails going back and forth. So it's not instantaneous. Um, another way is we'll see someone speak um, at some type of a conference, um, or we'll see their film at a film festival, or we'll just see their name online somewhere, and we'll go into IMDb Pro, and we'll try and go through the proper channels, 
And what's interesting is a lot of times those proper channels, we never get an answer back. If we can find some other kind of route, like through Facebook or through Twitter, oftentimes we have more success with that, landing our guests, than we do um, hitting up some of these big L.A. powerhouses um, where your, your email kind of just gets lost in the shuffle and you get, oh, thanks, actually we didn't get that, can you send it again, kind of a thing. So we find a more of a personal approach work in, in getting the guests. You know, we are still a, a smaller show. We're still trying to grow our audience. So, you know, it's not, you know, Elvis uh, Mitchell and the treatment just yet. So it, it takes a little more um, oomph to get some of our names to come on. Um, but we do it that way, and, and we send a, a pitch letter. And sometimes there are several letters we have to send, and sometimes we end up just giving up because we don't hear back. And sometimes we hear no, and then sometimes we hear maybe or yes. And like I said, it's sometimes six, seven months in the making. Um, we we like to schedule our guests way in advance, and that's been great for us, but it's also been a bit of a downfall in that wonderful filmmakers will hit us up, and they have great projects, and they want to tell us about something that's coming out right now, and it's time-sensitive to get them on the show, and unfortunately we have to kind of turn them away for a little bit because we're so booked up. So it's, I guess, a blessing and a curse of, of you know, having so many wonderful people in the pipeline. Um, but uh, so that's pretty much how we do it. Awesome, awesome. Um, I want to just take a moment and say hi to some of the people in the chat room and acknowledge that they're there. Um, there is uh, Dylan uh, Schoeniker, FX guys showed up. Jake Settler's here. Kim Garland, Kings of Fink, uh, Miles Maker, Little Hermie, Monkey's Paw, uh, Tau X, Gaffer Girls, um, and some others that I mentioned before. Um, you know, there's just some some people who you may know and uh, or may not know, and then there are guests who we don't know who they are, but they listen. And someone wanted to point out, and I do. You you had Miles on uh, your show, did you not? We did. Yes, and. and and uh, and but somebody also Jake wanted to point out that Miles also has a a show that people can listen to Miles Maker and so I wanted to acknowledge that as well. I mean there are others Converse out there Cinema. who obviously. Pardon me. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it Converse Cinema? I think it is on Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know I just uh, I I can't even think of all of the people at the moment. But you're right. I mean, I, I, and I and I have to concur. I mean, I am uh, my show also is booked way way out, and people will email or they will call or they will hit me at Facebook and go, you know, I'm a filmmaker. Can you put me up tomorrow or can you get me on the show or I have something <laughs> coming up this weekend? And, and it, it, you know, it, my heart goes out to them, and I never thought I'd be in a position where I'd have to say I can't or. And then there, and then on the other side, there are also people who get who fall through the cracks from me, where you know they send me an email, but I don't see it, or it goes into my spam folder, or you know, and I'm constantly going back and looking through spam to to make sure I haven't missed somebody. But but I mean, there are, uh, it's a, it's amazing, and that's, it goes back to the comment before about there's there is a lot of work in putting these shows on, and it's not like you just ask. I, I'm so glad you said that because it's not like you just say you want to be in my show, and they go yep, and then it's done. Um, sometimes, you know, you do, you kind of enter into this whole kind of like round of negotiations and emails and phone calls or whatever that takes some time. So thanks for sticking with it. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's, thanks. It's, yeah, and there's – oh, sorry. There's also the research that goes into, you know, mm -hmm. our guest background because we like to see the interviews that the guests have done and then maybe try and go a little deeper or go another route just so that we're not – 
rehashing the same stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, and the thing is too, when we get to the studio, we want to connect with our guests, but we don't want to know too much. We want to save it for the air. It's more spontaneous. It's fresher. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it sounds fun, you know, in theory. Oh, great, a radio show. That sounds like a great time. But it is a lot of work, and it's, it's a full-time commitment. Um, Dave and I have not taken a vacation, I think, in a year and a half, um, except to go down to San Diego for the San Diego Indie Fest, where we were actually on a panel. So, you know, there's sacrifices, but we love what we do, so it doesn't feel like work. Well, awesome. Let me uh, ask you about this because you do deal with filmmakers. You know, have them on your show. You, you're uh, you're in my hometown. You're in L.A., which uh, I, I love and adore, and I'm envious of now that I've uh, relocated to the Midwest to to raise children. Um, but but let me ask you this. You know, we, we're always actively trying to promote our guests and and say, hey, you know what, so and so is coming up, and you should listen to this person, and and they have something to say, and and sometimes they have name value, and people just automatically are attracted to the show. But we're the the the, the promotion really is to try and get people to listen and to benefit from the expertise of the guests. Uh, but there are filmmakers that we encounter who who what do you think about people who don't promote their own work? You know, I mean, they're out there, they've done something, but they they, they just kind of seem to let it go, you know, or they hope that some distributor is going to take it, or, they'll, you know, in other words, that they're not in charge. What, what do you think is changing with the world, and what do people need to do, and, and, and what, do you, what do you have to say about these filmmakers? Yeah. You know, we, we've certainly noticed on our end that it, it appears sort of the larger name or the name that might be more recognizable, you know, more often than not, you know, they, they seem to sort of let promotion slide, you know, they, they sort of allow their name, their clout to kind of do the promotion for them, you know, and, and sometimes we see where the, the, the sort of the lesser known name, you know, is more willing, you know, to get behind the interview. Maybe they haven't done as many interviews or whatever it may be, and, and they're just scrappier and they're hungrier, and and, and they'll and, and they'll, they'll 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 really kind of toot the horn really loud and, and get the word out there, um, you know. And I, and I guess across the board, uh, you know, I think it's becoming more and more responsibility for people um, to to do the to do promotion work or, or, or have people sort of promoting for them, you know, you know, the, the, the whole system is just being, um, you know, just filled to the max with content and, and different people, everyone putting their stuff out there. Um, and, and I believe Sherry Candler is one who, you know, she's really sort of saying, you know, it, it's more and more it's becoming a, a battle for attention more than anything. Um, and, so for for Karen and I, our way of, of doing that is, is by giving back to the community. We, we try to, um, you know, we we basically bring attention to ourselves by just giving back to others and shining light on others. And it, it's a wonderful universal um, law, I guess, or you know, metaphysical law that you know, when you give to others, um, you know, you receive back yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, great. Sorry, it's a, it's a great question because uh, we have experienced kind of polar extremes of both both people who have heavily promoted and those who've really done nothing. And, you know, we had Bonnie Gillespie, who's a casting director on our show, and she talked about some of the psychological reasons that sometimes people don't promote uh, themselves. And, and there's many different ones, you know, <clears throat> not wanting to look too maybe arrogant and, and be too, you know, pushy with with their work. And also just the, the fear of success 
Also, um, she pointed out something interesting that in someone's family system, if maybe they have a certain role and, and, and if they're going to change too much, that would change the whole structure of the family. I mean, she really broke it down. It was very fascinating as to why some people say they want to do certain things, but then when it comes down to crunch time, they don't actually do them. So I found that fascinating from her interview. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I listened to your show, and I listened to that interview. I'm glad you brought that up. It's an excellent interview, and I encourage all of the listeners, if they haven't, to go check that out, too. Um, the points that you made right there about, yeah, you might have a role. You fit into a certain place in the family, and let, and you're like, you know, you're ready to do a breakthrough thing in Hollywood, but uh, that wouldn't fit for family, and so there's like this dissonance that's created. So very, very insightful, I, I thought, too. So thank you. Um, I'm going to have to take a little bit of a break right here, kind of a station identification, tell everybody that they're listening to RexSykes.com at RexSykesMovieBeat, the official website, and then we'll come right back, Okay. All right, so uh, my guests coming up are Eduardo Ballerini. He is currently in Boardwalk Empire. He's from The Sopranos and many other movies. Rick Overton uh, will be joining us thereafter. He's uh, currently, you can see him in Dinner with dinner for Schmucks. And then comes uh, producer Diane Nabatoff. John Reese will be returning, uh, I think, outside the box office. Cinematographer Richard Chisholm is coming up. Daryl Morey and I will continue to discuss uh, cult film classic Massacre at Central High. Sherry Candler, who was just mentioned, PR and marketing, is returning. Uh, Harry Northup uh, is an actor who uh, has worked for 40 years in, in with Eastwood and Scorsese and others. You're going to want to hear him. Jane Jenkins and Janet Hershenson are casting directors extraordinaire. They're coming back. And Uva Bull, producer-director, will be returning as well. That takes us uh, at least part of the guests through um, October. And uh, I want to encourage anyone who's listening now, first time, or if you're a seasoned listener, to go ahead, make us a favorite, make us a, a friend, follow us right from where you're listening from, uh, leave comments right there, not only in the chat room, but about the show. Uh, if you do this, if you're listening to the podcast or an archive show, you can do the very same thing. Uh, Fave us, make us a friend, uh, follow us, uh, and retweet us. Uh, right now, you can tweet during the show. Anytime you reach out, you tweet, you Facebook, you MySpace, you email, you reach over to somebody say, hey, check this out, or phone someone. Uh, you are helping spread the word about my guests and, and my guests sharing their expertise. So uh, please continue to do so, and thank you so much. Um, back with uh, Karen Warden and David Brannon, uh, Film Courage, uh, they host an interactive uh, film courage interactive in Los Angeles at the downtown independent as well as the radio show on l a talk radio so and i 'm pleased to have them here today. Thank you. Um, how do you think film festivals have trained filmmakers to be lazy you know it 's interesting we, we sort of came to this by putting on our our own film courage interactive um, you know, and, and I guess we're just seeing over time, you know, we we almost hate to admit this because you know, we, we really want the, the Film Curves Interactive to be something um, that continues to grow. And, and maybe we've taken on a, a bit too much in, in our recent events of, of doing an event every two weeks. Um, but overall, you know, we've done 10 of these. And so far, we've sort of, um, you know, we've been profitable on four, and, and we've lost money on six of them, um, you know. And I, I guess just my own experience as a filmmaker and submitting to film festivals, I, I think there is sort of really this this mentality with filmmakers where you feel like at least on the festival circuit um, that you're going to pay for the submission fee, and you just kind of leave the power up to the film festival that the film festival is going to take responsibility 
and they are going to, to select the very best film. And, and by doing so, and if, if, you, if you're one of the fortunate ones who is an official selection, then you feel like, yes, my film is one of the best films out there, at least, you know, for this film festival. And, and of course, there's just an audience waiting to see this work. Um, and so in, in that sense, I, I feel like uh, festivals can be a curse, you know, because I, I just see over and over again where, you know, where maybe filmmakers just rely on the entity or the outlet to sort of do the marketing and promotion for them. Um, you know, and, I, and I've, I guess I've also learned it from, from taking – um, night before the wedding, um, you know, I, th- I think we've screened in about a dozen cities or so, um, you know, where, where we've gone out and, and, and um, we've identified cities that, that hit close to home. You know, generally um, they're either festivals or um, where, where, you know, we have a, a, some, a support system through one of our actors or producers. And, um, you know, so, you know, but, you know, with what we do, we don't necessarily require people to take out advertising in newspapers. Um, or, or, hey, David? or any big media bias. Go ahead. Uh, just a couple of moments where you kind of come and go. You, you, like there's a, I hear a click. I don't know if the other people hear it or not, but uh, your volume tends to shift up and down. And I want to make sure that everybody can hear you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, okay. I'm, I'm moving back and forth, so yeah. forgive me. <laughs> we, have, we have bad reception here. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the overall point that I'm making is that, you know, uh, I guess it's just an observation, and it's also from being on both sides of the equation that that I see that, that filmmakers certainly put in the effort to make their films, and I'm, uh, and I'm seeing a definite lack of effort in, in marketing and promoting those films, you know, and, and I understand it, you know, because we're, we're sort of in the early stages still of, of getting Night Before the Wedding out there, um, and it's a lot of work, you know, and there are days where I wake up and I, and, and I say, um, you know, do I really want to do this? And I, I can see that sort of pull to say, you know what, I just want someone else to come on board and do this work for me. Because that, that's really where the, that's where the real work is. It's not necessarily making the film. And, and obviously that's crucial is that you have to get everything right there. But um, it's so much more work drawing attention to your project, getting people interested in it, in it and getting them to see it. Um, and it's a lot of work to get people to, you know, see it theatrically, to get to get people in the seats. And I, I really feel a lot of filmmakers underestimate that work, um, and and they and they just sort of leave it up to festivals or, or other outlets to do that work for them. And I and I think it it starts at home, you know. And, and this is business that we need to take care of, um, especially for any filmmaker that that wants to have a career, you know, that wants to sustain a career. I think it's you know crucial to um, connect with your own audience and build your own audience and, and do it over time and, and do it with, with every screening you can, um, you know, take advantage of, of that opportunity um, to spread to spread the word on your work. Yeah, and if I can just interrupt for a second and second that, right, with our interactive, we put um, ads for the, each interactive just on numerous sites and also in a few newspapers that are quite popular around Los Angeles. We tweet about it. We talk about it on the radio show. And it's difficult. It's really difficult to get blown seats. And some of these films are just, they're amazing. And, and, and I would see them over some of these other films that are in the mainstream cinema any day. But to get people in seats, and especially in this economy, it's tough because there's parking, 
there's there's okay are we going to buy a beer and some popcorn i mean so it's 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 really tough and it's 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 really just not as easy even with these amazing films that we have to get people to come out and i found what's really worked the most what's been the most effective is just within the own film the, the filmmakers own network has really been the most effective way getting total strangers to come that's really a pull but within the filmmakers friends and family and and peers that's where it's been the easiest to actually get people in seats to pay for a ticket. Well, that's encouraging. I, I uh, have discussed this a number of times on my show, and I'm sure you have as well. Um, you know, it used to be in, in and, and I always use the analogy of the, the publishing world for self-help books, you know, and, and the written word, but also in the film business. It is It has traditionally been in the past that uh, there were major gatekeepers and few people could get through, and the cost of film and and uh, the cost of making movies was prohibited to most people, as was producing music or self-publishing your books. I mean, uh, you had major publishing houses, you had major distribution companies, you have major uh, record labels, you know, those kinds of things. Well, all of that's changed, you know, with this digital revolution. Now, as somebody the other day said, uh, which I thought was a brilliant statement, they said everybody is the media. You know, there's no media gatekeeper anymore. You can watch Fox News or CNN and all that kind of stuff, but everybody, you can tweet something immediately and be news. You can you can stream it. You can uh, we, we can go live in, in any number of ways, and, and, and we are now the media, so, so the media has a larger a problem of, of of being a gatekeeper as they once were. Now, true, there's still you know distribution companies you know releasing tentpole movies, and there's still you know record labels, and there's still publishing houses. But but now just about anyone can do it, and so that the signal to noise ratio is also so much louder. Where you might have had ten people, you know, a hundred people at one time, say vying for ten spots. Now you've got you know, a thousand people vying for a thousand spots. And so trying to get the word out and to get strangers, especially in economic times when, you know, money is, is not, uh, we're not everyone's flush kind of thing, uh, it does make it hard. And, and, and yet, again, it goes back to if the filmmaker uh, is, or the music maker or the book publisher, uh, writer is going to be successful, they need to really jump on this whole, uh, self-promotion uh, bandwagon and really learn to be savvy and and to connect with people and create their audiences and and uh, and get friends and family and and cohorts to to support this and 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 to rise above the din of, or the cacophony of everything else out there um, and and few will you know when it when it really boils down to it few will do the legwork. Yeah, and I, you know, and I want to expand on this further, Rex, just to further explain, because you know we, we have a deal in place. Again, where, you're you're, you know, you're cutting and you're going out, and they, they're mentioning okay. it in the chat room too. So I don't know exactly what if that's a phone issue or something, but but please, and I'm sorry to interrupt your point. It's, well, thank you, Rex. Thank you, and and I, and while, while we mentioned the chat room, you know, we do hear a lot of familiar names there, and we're we're so grateful. You know, we're very humbled. Hello. Um, you know, and then we'd certainly want to say hi to, to everyone. We recognize a lot of familiar names there, and and we we love that. Um, and they're there for I, you. I, that's so cool. They're there. They're there to, to because you're here. So that's so awesome. Thank you. No, Thank you, know, it, it really is touching. You know, and it really does mean something. And and mm-hmm. and you know, we have a lot of love for the people that that take part in our show and the people that take Thank part in, in your show and in this whole community. You know, because that. That's really the way we see it. That, that's the way um, 
I don't know. I, you know, I, I like to think of our, our film Courage Interactive as a sort of a family barbecue, and that, that's what we're trying to do is sort of a, a film festival and a family barbecue that all happen in the same night. Right, with cool. that, you know, unlike film festivals, um, you know, where oftentimes, you know, your film gets accepted and you're not included in any monies that are made off the screening, you know, with our interactive screenings, we, we actually have a deal in place. We have a very favorable deal with the theater, and after that, um, after that money is made back, you know, we, we split the money with the filmmakers. So it's an opportunity for filmmakers not only to have their film screen, but also make up costs and, and just put some money back in their pocket. Um, you know, so when, I, when, when we say that, you know, we've lost money on six out of the ten, you know, it's really disheartening, you know, because um, with the deal that we have in place, you would think that a lot of local filmmakers would have the lure with their films that, you know, if they're going to get it in front of a live audience and get it seen, that um, that they're going to be able to at least um, at least break even, you know. So, it, you know, like Karen said, these, these films are often great films, and, and we love the films. Um, and, 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 you know, it, I guess it just, I don't know, I guess it's just partly the state of the industry, um, and, you know, of what we're going against. Um, but, you know, we, we put an incredible amount of effort in, and, and I think, you know, um, I think if, if you're a filmmaker, and of course we all want our film on the screen, we all want an audience. Um, but I, I believe, you know, we really have to take responsibility to make sure that an audience is there for our film. And I think I think we're lazy. You know, I really do. I see where we just don't put in the effort necessary to really get people in the seats. And I feel it's a big commitment and a big responsibility. Um, so well, I guess I'm, I'm putting that out there to everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there, and it may not be a fair analogy, but if, if I invite, you know, uh, 20 people to my daughter's birthday or son's birthday party, you know, I send out a card with an RSVP, and hopefully, you know, the people will RSVP and say that they come. So maybe 15 people say, yes, they can be there on that date, and others have commitments. And then when the party actually shows up, probably 10 or 12 or 13 show up. You know, in other words, something has happened and the other people didn't show. But the bottom line is these are 15 or 20 people that, that I send invitations to who I know, who I have to circulate with, who I have to interact with from the school or from parents groups or whatever and so they're much more likely to say gee you know, i'm really sorry or look at you know i got you a gift anyway or they're going to try and make some kind of amends for not showing up rarely will they just not show without some kind of excuse but the world has become a different place for most of us with facebook and twitter and myspace and that we can put out things and say we have this event how many people are attending and a hundred will say they're attending you know 20 will say not attending or, or maybe and 500 will say they aren't attending and then when you have the event 20 people show up you know it's easy to say i'll be there but unless they actually pay for a seat in advance unless there's something at stake you know that they're going to lose out on if they don't get there uh, they there's it's just if it's inconvenient they won't be unless they are somebody who's near and dear to you the the faceless mob mass out there you know the world is a busy place with all sorts of competition so it's 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 trying to figure out how do you raise the stakes how do you get people invested in what you're doing how do you how do you go look you know if you're not in this seat you are going to lose out maybe they're going to lose out by meeting somebody special or they're going to lose you know six dollars or fifteen dollars because they they bought a ticket in advance or they don't get a t-shirt or or something but i mean it, it really is a struggle to figure out how to get people into a place because uh, anybody can say they'll be there but not everybody will show up and um 
And uh, believe me, I mean, now that I'm older, when I was 20 and living in L.A., if somebody said, hey, there's a party going on somewhere here, I didn't care if it was 4 in the morning. I shot, you know, all the way down to, I would drive to San Diego if I thought that this was going to be a worthwhile party. But now that I'm older, if I'm in my house and somebody calls me at 9 o'clock and says, hey, do you want to go to this movie at 10 and it's 20 minutes away, I may go, nah, you know, I really don't want to get out of my out of my easy chair. So, uh, you know, the... <laughs> the uh, so, so I think that the discussion we're having right now is a, is a worthwhile discussion to continue either together, you know, if we can, you and, and me, or on our separate shows, or just in the interactives, or just on the internet in general. Is, is how do we reach people and and to the point where they drool, you know, they go, I've got to be there, and they really want to be there, mm-hmm. and and they make it a point in getting out and doing it because. Uh, um, and actually, this was I, this this was uh, predicated from a, chat, a comment in the chat room that someone made. Uh, Dylan, I believe, had made the comment, you know, about uh, you know people saying that they would show up and then not. But um, any, anyway, your thoughts? Because I don't want to. I don't want. I mean, I'm not trying to take. A, I'm not trying to stand on a soapbox here. But I, I so frequently do. I just guess I feel comfortable there. I said with that's a wink. Why we, that's why we love you, Rex. That's why we love you. <laughs> Rex will stand on his soapbox anytime he can. Okay. No, uh, no, I, I, will, I will add that you know it, it's amazing that that in this day and age that 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 filmmakers with their films you know when when they take them into a theatrical setting that that's the sort of the feedback that we get that you know the numbers that we're hearing is that it's considered a success when you get about thirty people to come out wow. to see your film, you know, especially like over like a, for a weekly run, if, if you sort of average, you know, 30 people, um, a, a screening or a night, um, that, 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 that's almost acceptable. That that's That's considered a good thing. And I, I don't know, I guess I'm just more of a competitive person. And, and for me, if, if there are 150 seats in the theater or 200 seats in the theater, I, you know, I, I like to be in a place where, you know, just, just, you know, and, and obviously, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't um, succeeded in every case, you know, but for me, I just continue to take on that responsibility in terms of what can I do, um, you know, and, and it starts with the film, you know, and, and just being realistic about, about the film that you do have and, and about your capacity to get people in the seats, you know, and I, I think, you know, so many filmmakers are so bright and they're so talented and they make these wonderful films. Um, you know, and they, they don't, and, 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 and for whatever reason, the work just ends there, you know, and, and they don't put in any work to um, to sort of engage with their audience and, and, and really get them into the seat. And, and, you know, and, and well, we're experiencing it on both sides. And go ahead, Karen. If I can, oh, sorry, Rex. Go, no, go for it, go for it, please. Oh, okay. What I wanted to say, too, is we've talked about this on our show before, that we're artists and we're not trained as marketers, and so we don't often use that part of our brain. We're used to creating, but the work that it takes to actually get people in seats uh, and generate buzz, that's all stuff that, you know, we don't really want to do. It's not, as you know, it's it's more left brain. It's not really what we do as, as artists and creative people. But one great example was um, Jeffrey Goodman. We had him on for The Last yeah. Lullaby. And he's also a blogger for MovieMaker.com. And he talked about, for The Last Lullaby, that he actually bought tickets to his own films 
right. you know, different screenings. And then he went and, like, met people at parties and stopped them on the street and said, hey, I, I want to tell you about my film. And they would be like, oh, great, yeah, sounds good, I want to go. Oh, you do? Hey, I've got a ticket. Here you right. go. Do you want to buy it for me? So, I mean, it, and he had an incredible business sense. You know, he was in sales. I think he sold security systems and furniture for a while. So he had trained his mind to, to that muscle, that, that, like, marketer muscle to work. And I think that's where a lot of us fall short. I know I'm guilty of it. Um, as, as I really have to push myself to just try and sell these interactives. So I think as creative people, if we have enough money, where we can go out and hire a team to do all this, great. But I think that's that's like you know one percent of the population, unless you're getting into the major studio films. So we've got to learn how to flex that muscle, that marketer muscle. Uh, I, I I agree, and and uh, I did again. I listened to Jeffrey on your show, and he was a guest on my show. He's a, he's fabulous, and he is one of those people who does take the bull by the horns, and he makes things happen on his own behalf and for those that he works with So, and for his investors. Because really, I mean, you have that tertiary responsibility to your investors to make your movie successful. Now, I think a lot of filmmakers, I, just to piggyback on what you said, both of you, and I think it's true, is that filmmakers go, I have a story to tell, and they tell their story, and then it's done. They want to get on to the next story. They don't realize that I, I not only have a story to tell, but i got to get my story to the people so that they can watch it and appreciate it. Um, and we're not trained typically as marketers or salespeople, but that but that is why I do my show and why I'm sure you do your show is, is the notion that that's what people have to learn now. It's it's a different world. It's a different you know the game the game plan has changed. And in order to succeed, I think in today's market and the future market, you have to be you got to wear more than one hat. And and um, it's not as though the filmmakers of the old in the studio system didn't know this. They were the marketers and the makers and the you know the distributors and the exhibitors. I mean, they had the they had the whole monopoly on things, so they understood it. So now, it's up to us who consider ourselves auteurs, you know, and uh, artists and performers to to sell. And and uh, I hated that when I was an actor in Hollywood. I was like, I have an agent to sell me. I don't. I shouldn't have to sell me. I should just act. And that was the sh- biggest mistake I could ever make. Same thing as a filmmaker. I was always, you know, I've always been agented. I've always been managed. So that's their job. They sell, and I just show up. I'm the puppet, and I do the moves where I'm supposed to, and then I leave, and then they continue to sell. And and that just does not exist any longer. If if you're huge, you know, if you're a Matt Damon or a Tom Cruise or something, you you are you've been pre-sold. You've gotten to a place. But even then, they don't relax. You know, I mean, they keep doing what they do to promote themselves. Even though they have an entourage of of promoters, so uh, learning to be savvy, I think, is is a huge, huge piece. Uh, what I wanted to ask you is, I wanted to ask you this: Do you think that it's changed? In the and, and then uh, we're going to have about twenty minutes after this, but to uh, we're going to go long to talk about night before the wedding and goodbye promise because I do want to do that and maybe some something about crowdfunding and stuff, but uh, or uh, I maybe be able to go a little longer than that. But here's here's the question: Here's what I wanted to ask. Um, you know, traditionally, you know, we always think about having a, you know, our our film in a theater, and that that experience is going to stay with us forever, and maybe it will. You know, the collective experience of being inside a darkened room. Um, but now there are a lot of different avenues. You know, there there is the you know streaming live video on demand. There's your phone. There's you know you know multiple outlets, and probably outlets we've not even yet considered for. Um, watching our films, and maybe what we're seeing is that ten people show up in the theater, but ten people get it video on demand. Another ten people download it to their phone. Another ten people get it through, you know, pirate, pirate, pirated, or whatever. But maybe the, the, you know, in other words, we have to think in terms of 
multiple platforms instead of just one platform in terms of us being successful as filmmakers nowadays? Um, any any thoughts on that? I think, I think, I think these channels, uh, you know, ever, you know, this is all sort of brand new to us. And, and right. you know, every, everything is, is sort of streamlining itself to the Internet, um, especially when we get to the point where, what you buy on the internet, you you have the ability to put directly on your home television. I think I think, you know, we're sort of waiting for that to hit the mainstream. Um, you know, and and I guess the tough part as a creator, the tough part as as a business person, you know, you know, or, you know, what what I'm facing here, is is just that you know people have have grown accustomed to to getting their content for for very little, you know, and and in many cases they're they've grown accustomed just to getting it for free. Um, you know, whether it be illegally or, or whatever it may be, um, right? You know, pe- people just want to sort of have access to the information, to the content, and and they've just kind of done away with with sort of paying for it. And obviously, this is a medium where it's very expensive, um, you know, and, and and very time consuming to produce this content. Um, and for whatever reason, people just overlook it. You know, I, I read somewhere recently that when you walk into a grocery store. You don't just load up your cart and just walk out the store without without buying what right. you have in the grocery cart. But for some reason, you know, we, we've grown accustomed to just acquiring this content, or just you know, e- even though we're entertained by it and we enjoy consuming it. Um, so the, I don't I don't know what you know I, I don't you know it's hard to have the direct answer for that. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I'm seeing experimentation. I'm I'm seeing different filmmakers. Um, do different things, and I, I, I was very interested to see that Gregory Bain has just launched, launched Person of Interest on, on Vodo.net, I believe it's called. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I believe oh, right off the bat, you know, it's something where it's sort of a file-sharing um, BitTorrent site where people are allowed, they're given the option to download it for free and, and have the, the content, but at the same time, you're also allowed to sponsor the content or, or, or give back to the artist. To, to sort of donate back to the artist. And when I looked at it yesterday, he had 10,000 people, over 10,000 people that downloaded the content for free. And I believe I saw that there were 20 people that said, hey, you know what, I'll give back to this artist and support this artist. Um, wow. You know, and that, that's sort of a, a stunning uh, ratio there. Um, yeah, you know, but, you're, but you're, no, you're so ahead, correct. Right? You know, and, and you know, I think we're all just trying to figure out, like, how how can we put ourselves in a position where we can, you know, create the art that we want to create or tell the stories that we want to create, um, and also have the demand there where, um, you know, where we can keep doing this. You know, you see a lot of people that sort of go to the well on their films to their friends and family, or or maybe some business friends of theirs, and they're able to raise money um, one or two times, and then after that, you know, some very talented artists. Um, are you know they they figure out that they're not able to sustain this life, um, and, and we don't see them make any more films beyond that. Um, and I, I feel like there's this new um, emergence of filmmakers that I'm seeing, and, and hopefully you know Karen and I are among them, where we're really trying to to make a go of this and and and, and create a life for ourselves. It's it's an amazing thing, and and I and I I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a second, and I and I apologize in advance. The, the notion of piracy is an amazing thing. You made the analogy about not taking food or groceries out of a grocery store without paying for it, and uh, I, you know I've made uh, audio at 
tapes and CDs and, and, and home study manuals in my other my corporate business uh, for well over 20 years. And those are bit-torrented and pirated and stolen every day. And I even saw the other day I saw somebody selling them. You know, for like you know something that I would sell for much more money, they were selling for like 13 bucks or something on a website. Um, they don't have any license from me. They don't have any uh, copyright for me. They don't own anything. But people think that if it's electronic or if it's audio or if it's film or even if it's a book, that somehow it's okay to reproduce this. That ideas can't be, you know, contained. That 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 if you come up with a movie or you come up with a self-help book or you come up with a piece of music or or you come up with a novel or something that somehow you don't own that and that the world should get it for free well if i'm a businessman and i sell say 10 of them at ten dollars those ten dollars go to feed my children if you steal uh five of those that means i have half of that to feed my children now on the corporate side if if they sell millions of them they still, while they may not, you may not see the executives hurting in the same way. You're stealing profits out of out of uh, the shareholders, and I, you know, you're taking out of you know corporate theft uh, and and shoplifting and all this stuff is a huge, uh, huge cost to you and I as people. And so people don't steal people's movies. Don't try and get them for free. Pay the filmmakers. You know, buy the DVDs, go get a ticket, don't, you know, share this stuff and just pass it around. You know, you really are taking food right off their plate when you do that. People work hard and long and, and sacrifice much to make their movie. And it, it's piracy is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. And um, I'm glad you brought I'm glad that we could discuss it and uh, apologize for my soap opera, but, um, or my, not my soap opera, but for my soapbox again, but... Uh, but uh, we, there should be an end to piracy. I don't think by saying it it's going to happen, but, uh, you know, we should call it what it is. It's stealing. And, and sure. you're so right. That's someone's intellectual property. Right. Right. I mean, it is, and, and nobody seems to – few people honor that. Uh, if, I, if I come out with a, a wrench, <laughs> you know, I build a wrench out of metal, people go, oh, yeah, I shouldn't steal that. And some will. But uh, you come out with uh, an intellectual property piece like a movie or a piece of music, they just go, oh, that's free, free to take, and it's not. All right, let me let me do this. Let me switch this because then unless you have something to add to that, I don't want to. I, I want to uh, use our remaining time to talk about two very very fascinating movies. I've not seen uh, Goodbye Promise, but I have seen Night Before the Wedding, and I did have the opportunity to screen it at a dinner party um, when I got it. You know, and they and maybe that's piracy. I'm not sure. But I did, I, and people loved it, and and they were so impressed with the acting as well. I mean, it really was a hit kind of thing, and they were like, "Oh my god!" And uh, and then I met you thereafter. I mean, in person thereafter. But Gregor, I believe, had sent me the uh, the, the copy, and I had four or five people uh, at a dinner, and so I said, "You got to see this movie." And um, and uh, but they were very very impressed with it. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Night Before the Wedding? And did you recently have the New York showing? Is that was that in September that that happened? Yes, yes, we just had, um, you know, what, what might end up being one of our last theatrical screenings in New York, and that, that was back on September 24th. Um, you know, we sort of had it in mind to, to hopefully screen here in Los Angeles at least one more time. Um, you know, at, at the moment, we just have a lot on our plate, and, and you know, setting all this up, it, you know, is a lot. I'm certainly uh, humbled by your words, though, Rex, about the movie and your connection to the movie, and, and 
and that you would have, you know, I, I don't know, if, I don't, I don't know if Karen and I, either one of us would say it's a, sort of a, a, a dinner party movie. <laughs> Depends on who's well, it's there. It's not necessarily a dinner party movie, but I mean, we had dinner and then we screened the movie. So, uh, I see. Okay. No, which is great. Um, you know, and what it is, it's a, um, it is a bachelor party movie. You know, but it's much more than that. You know, it goes into sort of the the male relationship dynamic. Um, you know, and, and it, ta- it takes this this sort of story that we're that we're familiar with, and it takes it into a new direction. You know, it has a lot of sort of surprise and twists, um, which are maybe maybe that much more surprising because it just takes place inside of one location. It takes place inside a house. About 80, 80 plus percent of the film is is all sort of in this one setting. Um, so really, it's just a, a really in um, look of what it's like to 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 be at at, at a a modest day bachelor party, um, and and, we, and we've gotten those comments where where people after they've seen the film say they really feel like they've they've been at a bachelor party. You know, we have one male friend of ours who's actually not a guy's guy. You know, he he actually prefers being around women if he can. You know, he 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 just happens to be a man that just um, has more female friends than he does male friends. And, and he said while watching the film, he wanted nothing more than just to kind of run out of the room, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, it, it's that kind of film, and, and, and it can be tough for some people to watch. Um, but the great thing about it is, is we're seeing where, where, where more and more women really appreciate sort of this inside look into this male ritual that they're really not privy to. And, and we're having a lot of... Um, surprising female support um, rallying around the film um, in these recent months, which has been um, really nice. Awesome. Awesome. You know, um, how? let me just ask you, how did you manage to put, we've got, uh, you know, 10 minutes on the outside, maybe eight minutes actually. Uh, how did you put the, how did you put the, the film together? You, you sag actors in uh, Night Before the Wedding, you got a crew, and you, you put it together. How how might, how long did it take to from from uh, inception to uh, the end of post? The backstory on it is I, I was actually about ninety percent done on another script that I believe would be my first feature film, and you know, and I think you know, part, partly what I've been saying here in, in today's interview is just putting the responsibility on on filmmakers, on story creators where um, it's not just going out and, and you know, you're just some, some connection to some story and like, hey, you know what, I'm going to spend all this money and go make this film. I think there is a responsibility to not only to find the story that you want to tell, um, but, but do your absolute best to, to, to make sure that it be a film that, that people will be interested in and, and one they, they want to see. Um, so I sort of had this other one that was I was going to have be the other film, and, and then the idea for this one came along. I thought this one would be um, a little bit more commercial, a little bit more mainstream, um, you know, a little bit more of a project that people would, would want to see. It, you know, it is a different take on a bachelor party movie, um, and, and I thought that we would be able to, to do it cheap enough, um, which, which was another factor. Um, it, it all does take place in one location. Um, so... Um, you know, the the idea hit me, and, and within, I believe, six weeks, I had a first draft of the script. Uh, so that was back in September of 2007. Or, yeah, September of 2007, and by October, I had a first draft, and then we continued to work on that. I brought I brought some actors in 
they are SAG actors. Um, we started doing some some read-throughs of the script. Um, you know, I started getting their feedback. So I guess when people talk about the authenticity of the project and the acting in the film, I guess that, that's what we do because, you know, I brought the actors on board early, you know, and, and I was able to get their feedback and I was able to sort of mold these characters around. Um, a lot of the actors I'm friendly with and I, I know them as friends. So I kind of molded these characters around what I believe they were capable of doing on screen. Um, and that was, um, you know, that, that took us through the rest of that year and into the next year, and we went into production from from June of 2008, and, you know, we had some pickup days, and and I believe in September. So, um, and then, um, you know, and then we stayed on and post on it, um, and you know, we finally premiered, I guess, a year later at the Holly Shorts Film Festival as the first feature ever to be screened at the, at the festival. Oh, cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, uh, let me say that, that we have uh, three minutes. And I want to give you the, the last three minutes to David and Karen just to, to kind of discuss or share or anything that's left unsaid to say. Um, uh, this has been a fascinating time for me. I enjoyed having you so much, as did the uh, listeners and the people in the chat room. So um, I'm sorry that we're drawing it to a close, but I want to give you that, that last few moments to, to share however you'd like to share. Well, thank you, Russ. It's been an honor to be on your show, and thank you for inviting us. Um, it's been a pleasure, and the time has flown by. It's funny. It always does go by very quickly. Um, I guess lastly, just, just parting words, that if you do have a project, whether it's, it's a film or a book, whatever, you're an actor, don't be shy. Put it out there. I know it is tough. It, you know, it, it's scary. A lot of times fear stands in the way. There's criticism that comes from other people. There's, there's haters. There's bashers. But don't be scared. Put it out there because that's how you're going to build that audience. And without it, it, it's just really too tough to really get something off the ground. Yeah. All right. For me, I just want to, I just want to thank those, those folks that are joining us today on the program, you know, I see Cinekink and Dylan Shanker and FX Guy, Gaffer, Gil, Gaffer Girls, Jake Stetler, Miss Radford, Kim Garland, you know, the whole the whole list here. L- Lil Herney, or Lil Hermie, I like that name, House Baker, <laughs> uh, Monkey's Paw, Movie Angel, Hello, 74, Vicky and Green. Yeah, we just want to thank, yeah. you know, thank you. For, for us, it, it, it's about them um, giving back to them and, you know, just, just grateful that they would, that, they, they would take the time to tune in and, and hear what we have to say. Absolutely. Well, you're loved and you're appreciated and uh, and you're followed. And so let's do this. Let's make sure that we get uh, website information or Twitter addresses and, and those kinds of things from you to, to put on here so that people can continue, those who may not yet know it, may have it. Okay. Well, uh, there's filmcourage.com, and in fact, building a, a, a nice site, but uh, right now it's a landing page to our LA Talk Radio uh, page, and then uh, at Film Courage on uh, Twitter, and at David Brannon, and at Karen Warden on Twitter, and also nightbeforethewedding.com, goodbyepromise.com. And as what will happen is in the chat room, people I know, uh, there are some who are very loyal about uh, putting that stuff up there. If uh, someone in the chat room would also then go ahead and tweet those addresses and websites and uh, Twitter names, that would be fantastic. Then they will um, have it out there on Twitter as well. 
Uh, you were saying something? I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say that, you know, you can find Karen and I on, on Twitter, on, on Facebook, um, and, and on the actual movie sites themselves. So, you know, we're certainly out there. We're, we're accessible, um, you know, and, and we're working hard um, to be a part of this community um, and, and to give back as, as much as we can. Well, you're doing a fantastic job, and the show is Film Courage. It's Sundays at noon at uh, L.A. Talk Radio. Uh, that's Pacific coast time uh so that would be like three eastern time to central time and and noon um la pacific coast time all right and uh and then also watch for the film interactive well guys thanks so much for being here it's been fantastic to chat with you in this regard on the show and uh and to be able to uh, uh put it out there and the internet and have it there forever as a record <laughs> and as a testament to your hard work and to your efforts. And uh, may you get more followers and more fans and, and make more movies and, and continue to make your dreams come true. You are an incredible asset to the film community, and, and uh, I appreciate you, and you are appreciated and loved by everyone. So thank you so much, and um, and have a great rest of the day, and good luck with everything. I know you got a lot on your plates. Thank you, Rex, and thank you to everyone listening for your support today. A pleasure. Yeah, Rex, you are the consummate professional, and, and we're really honored to take part in the program, you know, and, and we encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, we believe you're just as vital a voice in, in this community, um, and, and we love being able to sort of switch over and, and listen to what you do week in, week out, as often as we can, you know, and, and, and thank you, Rex. Thank Fantastic. You. All right. Well, that's David Brannon and Karen Warden from Film Courage. Thank you, guys. Uh, have a great day. Hang in there and uh, and stay busy. Um, and this is concluding our show, but I do want to thank everyone who's in the chat room. I want you to please go ahead and retweet about the show today. Leave comments there in the chat room. Uh, make us a favorite. Make us a fan. Uh, friend us, follow us right there where you're listening live or archived. Or if you're listening to a podcast, go ahead and rate and review the show. And uh, and again, uh, download all of the all of the fabulous interviews. They're archived in the in the podcast as well as at the interview site on rexfikes.com. Uh, I want to thank my guests uh, from Film Courage, David Brandon and Karen Warden, and you, the readers and listeners of Movie Beat. We've got so many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned and please keep sharing the website and these interviews with all your friends and contacts. Um, you can become a member of the Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends or Facebook group by uh, finding it on Facebook. My profile is Rex Sykes, uh, and you can, uh, you can um, find them there on Facebook. But anyway, everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>